This is the Good Omens podcast on TV Podcast Industries in association with Podcastica. We're about to delve into Season 2, Chapter 6, the finale, every day. People ever ask for debt? What? What the name of your establishment? Give me coffee or give me death? I assume they always ask for coffee. They don't ever ask for death, no. No, I don't suppose they do. So predictable. Welcome back, fellow angels and demons. This is the Good Omens podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're in association with, of course, Podcastica. We are on the last episode, Chapter 6 of Season 2, Every Day. I am one of your hosts, John, and I am joined by my own ineffable fiancé, Derek. Hi, everybody. Nice to be back. Um, But it's the finale, John. I know. And a really teary one as well. Mm, it was. It was a very emotional uh, way to end the yes, show, wasn't it? Yes, very melancholic, the yeah. old music. Yes. Yeah. Hankies, streaming eyes, mm-hmm. blowing the old nose, yeah. you name it. It's really tough doing a podcast on it when you have to watch these episodes two or three times, uh, <laughs> taking notes, and you know what's coming. Absolutely. But at the same time, there was also still some great, chuckle moments uh in in this episode yes. uh, and of course with Derek Jacoby there as Metatron then uh I absolutely love that really uh, like Derek Jacoby he's fantastic isn't he he's really really yeah. good one of those one of those old school actors worked alongside uh, Ian McKellen a few times um uh, been lots of fun in multiple roles and also was a previous Doctor Who he played the master he was yes didn't he, in Doctor Who he was in Gladiator as well. He was yeah. one of the senators. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's really, really good. Yes. Uh, great to have him in the show. Um, am I right in saying, as I look at your notes, that you wrote the name as Megatron? A I few did. Times? I did. I kind of was thinking a little Transformery. Right. So part. So if I do call him Megatron yes. throughout the podcast, <laughs> don't worry, fellow angels and demons. I haven't gone bonkers. It's just yes. I guess I have gone bonkers, well, yes, but yes. Um, yes, it is actually Metatron <laughs> to who I refer. Yes, we might as well prepare it up front just in case we get it wrong, because uh, we won't have an opportunity in the future to do the I was wrong, uh, you were right. Um, well, that uh, is true. Sounder uh, in future episodes, because yes. this is our final episode of Good Omens. Um, there are talks, as we mentioned a couple of times in the podcast, that uh, season three, the outline has been written. They are ready to start writing episodes of that if it gets a green light from uh, Prime Video, but they need to pay their writers uh, before they start production on any future uh, episodes of uh, of Good Omens. But hopefully it won't be as long between season two and season three in the future, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's cross our fingers, toes, arms, legs, yep. you name it. Anything you can cross, cross it. Absolutely. But the story will be told somehow. Neil Gaiman says it will come out no matter what. Um, if there won't, if there doesn't get a green light for season three at Prime Video, he has the option to either put it into a book form or turn it into another channel, dance. potentially interpretive cha- dance. Yes, uh, absolutely. But 
do <laughs> make sure you stay subscribed to TV Podcast Industries. You can subscribe, subscribe to the podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com and we will update as often as we can uh, as we hear anything about Good Omens. Uh, but you will get the podcast there whenever we do return to Good Omens. Yes, and of course, we're also on the socials, uh, both Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV Podcast Industries. Mm-hmm. You can also email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. We are on the dark side of Twitter, which is now called X, mm. um, at TV Pod Industries. Is anybody calling it X? I don't think they are. <laughs> no, I don't know. No. What a stupid, stupid name. It is. Mm. Anyway, moving on, let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion mm-hmm. of Chapter 6 of Season 2 of Good Omens. Every day, Derek, who gave us what, when, where, how, why, but, if, and everything else. <laughs> well, it's been the same pretty much all season. Uh, this episode, once again, written for television by Neil Gaiman and John Finneman, uh, based on the book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, of course. And the episode, once again, for the finale, directed by Douglas McKinnon. Excellent stuff. <laughs> like to see a steady ship, actually. Absolutely. Absolutely, you know you're going to get a, a vision. this type of show with with a vision exactly. behind it when everybody's behind the scenes is the same all the way through the episodes, of course. And, you know, with six episode seasons, we're kind of coming from uh, naturally talking about a show like Gotham when we started podcasting, which had 22 episodes a season. So you couldn't have one person writing every single episode of that or directing every single episode of that or it would never come out. So well, that is true. That nowadays, is true. it probably makes it a little bit less sense than it used to in the past doing writer and director every episode when you have a six episode show because they tend to be the same writers and directors. But we'll continue to do it as part of our format, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the finale of Good Omens Season 2 every day? Sure. While Aziraphale, Nina and Maggie fend off the demons, Crowley discovers the reason for Gabriel's disappearance. He refused to support a second attempt at Armageddon. Gabriel was demoted from his position as an archangel, but before his memories could be wiped by Saraquel, both him and his memories cannot be located in heaven. Crowley returns to the bookshop, where Aziraphale has successfully fended off the demons and accidentally declared war on hell by using his halo. Beelzebub appears and reveals that Gabriel's memories were hidden in the fly inside the box that Gabriel had been carrying when naked. Gabriel's memories, including those of him conducting a romance with Beelzebub, are restored. He and Beelzebub choose to abandon heaven and hell and leave together for their own versions of heaven and hell, maybe for Alpha Centauri. As the assembled demons and angels squabble over what happens next, the Metatron arrives, sending Michael, Uriel and Saraquel back to heaven as the demons are taken back to hell. The Metatron has a vacancy left by Gabriel and is looking for a new Archangel. He offers Aziraphale Gabriel's former position, as well as the ability to restore Crowley's status as an angel if he chooses to work with him. Meanwhile, Crowley prepares to confess his feelings to Aziraphale after a good talking to by Nina and Maggie. Together, at last, Aziraphale informs Crowley that he plans to accept the Metatron's offer, while Crowley asks Aziraphale to abandon heaven like he would do so for hell, so they can become an us, just as Gabriel and Beelzebub did. Caught off guard, Aziraphale asks Crowley to instead return to heaven as an angel to work together, but Crowley refuses the offer, realising Aziraphale is being manipulated. Aziraphale leaves Earth and Crowley, 
to go to work for heaven, where the Metatron informs him that his task, for which he has the perfect skill set, will be to enact the second coming. Armageddon coming round the mountain again, <laughs> it looks like. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, second coming is second coming of Christ. Well, we'll talk about it. Will that be... I can't remember my Bible now. No, you are, you, you are correct. The second coming would be the second coming of Jesus. Yes, that's uh, that, that would be accurate. But this is the job that Gabriel turned down. The second coming would inspire Armageddon exactly. and the end that of the world. Exactly, that is true. That yeah. is true. So, yes. uh, yeah, we, we'll talk about it. Uh, that, that's kind of a central point uh, <laughs> that we need to talk about as we get through our signs of the apocalypse. Yes, oh dear, my Sunday school lessons has have <laughs> have forsaken me. That's all right. We 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 never claimed to know everything about the Bible when we started this podcast, so it's <laughs> no, okay. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let us get into though, fellow angels and demons, our top five signs of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Our big moments from the episode. Yes. Yeah. First off, the first sign of the apocalypse: Nina and Maggie together. Not quite. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was important uh, to talk about Nina and Maggie since they've been a pretty big focus uh, throughout the season, this idea that Crowley and Aziraphale were going to cover up the miracle that they'd done by getting Nina and Maggie together. So they spent a few episodes uh, trying to get them together. And here they are in the final battle against Shax and her demons uh, in the bookshop. And Aziraphale actually reveals exactly what his plan was. He kind of says, well... I set up the dancing um, to get you together. It was so much easier in the books of Jane Austen. And that, <laughs> only then did Matt and Maggie realize that they have been a plot all the way through for uh, for Crowley and, and Aziraphale. Well, also, remember, not only was it not as easy as uh, Jane Austen made it look, but she was also, he describes to uh, Nina and Maggie, the brains behind the 1857 Clerkenwell <laughs> diamond robbery, which I quite liked as well, just Absolutely. pulling through that joke. Um, from uh, the dirty donkey between yes. Aziraphale and uh, and Crowley, who was completely amazed that she was uh, an author. It is a good little gag as well. But how, why would Aziraphale think that that's how they would know uh, <laughs> Jane Austen? <laughs> no, exactly, <laughs> but exactly. it's still a funny joke. I it like is. It. I like it. Um, but I, I loved. Uh, I loved this um, sort of just you know that continued battle. Um, with Shax and her demons. And there's just, you know, I love that Maggie is giving it loads to Shax here. Um, Shax sort of retorting with, you know, you're dull Mm. and will die a nobody. Uh, but, and Maggie just also inadvertently inviting the hordes in. Oh, yeah. We'll come in here and and have it. Say it to my face. She's totally on fighting talk. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I really like this. I love the fact that. As the demons seem to just be getting caught in, firstly, the battery-operated candles um, Mm -hmm. and being kind of discorporated uh, as they go up because they're not prepared for it. Um, you know, she seems to be uh, enjoying her leadership role with this rabble less and less. Absolutely. Um, And I just really, again, Miranda Richardson, her facial expressions, just her exasperation of... The fact that her, you know, elite hordes of demons <laughs> are not operating as she would envision. Yes. Um, I just really enjoyed this being, oh. again, being pulled through from the previous episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved how um, ultimately it does lead to 
the um the final discorporation i'm guessing of demon eric uh, yeah uh, but i d- love I, I'm not the too visual sure. yeah yeah i'm not entirely sure because shack survived it yeah um, so maybe they were all just kind of sent back down to hell but i do i love the visual of him pulling his halo from out of his head it with a zero fail as he has to mount mm-hmm. one final defense of of his bookshop yeah absolutely absolutely but i i have to give that shout out to uh to demon eric i like that he came back this episode after we saw him um effectively exploded uh last episode for asking too many questions of shacks he's back that wasn't a continuity error that's just she wasn't completely destroying him he mentioned that angels can do that but demons can't completely destroy another demon this time we see him leading the charge for a moment and then uh when told by aziraphale that uh There'll be no trouble if he leaves um, Shax. Does it again to him, explodes him, saying there will be trouble if you come back this way. And then we see him finally, yes, as you say, get uh, discorporated by uh, by the angel halo of... Yeah, uh, I'm guessing so. But it, it, the yeah. fact that Shax survived it, I guess you could have just been protected from a, a bookshelf or something like that. Maybe, but, yeah. Um, I did like the gag in here as well as to why there were so many fire extinguishers as well <laughs> that were being used yes. um, after that first line of defense of, of the uh, battery operated candles uh-huh. in the pentagram uh, after that had been breached. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really well, good. That's, I, that's based on season one. That's the, the bookshop did burn down. So, yeah, yeah no, exactly. <laughs> I just like the, the gag yeah. uh, of that as well. But, um, yeah, so, but ultimately, you know, this is Nina and Maggie mm-hmm. coming together, uh, to, well, protect themselves, but also Mr. Fell's bookshop. And I, I do kind of like Nina's questions all the way through, you know, <laughs> this. She's just kind of, you know, constantly questioning what is going on, yeah. uh, what Aziraphale is doing and so on. And just how, you know, starting, to piece together that this all kind of came about that day the electricity went off mm. and they were locked together in the shop. So I kind of liked that. Um, yeah. And I liked how they were instrumental in bringing um, that tear jerk of an ending uh, as mm-hmm. well. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, those questions that she's asking of Aziraphale where she's saying, will you just answer a simple question? And Aziraphale uh, responding, going, um well, when I hear a simple question, then I will answer them. But none of these questions that you're asking are simple to answer. You know, did it start the other day when the power went out? Well, no, it started millennia ago. It started way before a time you can even <laughs> yeah. think of. But also it started when, when the electricity went out the other day. Uh, really good. But yes, after everything Aziraphale and Crowley have done, um, what actually gets them together is the two of them standing up against the army of demons. Um, we have that moment for the first time when Nina's saying that Maggie's the bravest person she knows for standing up against yeah. uh, these these demons. So you can tell there's something there. Um, but, you know, this is not a stereotypical show. This isn't going to be the show where the two uh, leads run off into the sunset in, in each other's arms with, with Nina and Maggie here. They kind of go, you meddled in our lives. You tried to make us fall in love with each other. And Nina kind of going, I've literally just broken up with my partner. That's not a time to start a new relationship, regardless of what it would be. I'd be in a rebound mess. So I will wait until I'm ready. Um, And who's who's to know if Maggie's still waiting for me? And I love Maggie responding, going, I will. Absolutely. (laughs) I will. Uh, Shut up. You're not making our point. She went off to help her sort of get her oat milks and her (laughs) almond milks and and all that um, and cream. (laughs) 
as she opens up the coffee shop, exactly. uh, which also has um, one of uh, my favorite lines of this uh, episode as well, is from Metatron, as they ask Nina, do they ever ask for death? Mm-hmm. That was a great moment. <laughs> great moment. <laughs> it was kind of really great. good. No, all the, all the other good names for coffee shops were taken. No, they don't ask for death. <laughs> no, exactly. The other thing from the this whole kind of early scene as well was just Gabriel still being um hidden from view to to Shax as well oh, where he's where Shax is ordering Aziraphale to give up Gabriel and he he kind of chimes in does uh Gabriel with oh that's what they call me I'm Gabriel <laughs> she just says tell that moron to stop interrupting <laughs> exactly. uh, again I oh Miranda Richardson's delivery for me is just yeah. really good in the same way as for uh, Derek Jacobi as as Metatron, I mm-hmm. loved his just his intonation and the turn of phrase and how he delivered it in this. And the same goes for Miranda Richardson as yeah. well. Really good. Yeah, great, great guest performances in here uh, as always for the show. And uh, yeah, great characters. Um, but overall, it just to I guess resolve this final point, it is Nina Maggie standing up to Aziraphale and Crowley, basically saying, "You meddled in our lives. Don't do that. If we happen to get together, that's fine." But it's not happening right now. I just broke up on my partner from Nina and explaining that the reason why they hadn't got together before now is because they'd never thought to stop and talk to each other. Um, and now Crowley and Aziraphale need to do that. They need to take a moment to talk to each other. I love Crowley's response to that is we've talked to each other for millennia. I say something really smart and Aziraphale says something that that's really funny, even though he doesn't know that he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that because, uh, well, again, absolutely. it has a little insight. Into it's almost a little yeah. bit of, you know, turning the tables, you know, what they have at least gotten out of this experience, you know, is that, well, you never say what you're really feeling mm-hmm. and it needs to be out in the open exactly. as they kind of turn that matchmaking that uh, Crowley and Aziraphale were doing back on them. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, really good. Really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to our second sign of the apocalypse. Yes. No doubt. Absolutely. What happened to Gabriel? Uh, a love one. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought this was quite good, actually. Um, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting it to be delivered in this succinct way. Yes. Um, at all. I thought it was actually going to take up the majority of this episode. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it from the point that Crowley arives in, in heaven, mm. uh, where we, you know, we get Pure to... Pure Muriel, Muriel yeah, not exactly. understanding at all, which um, is just done. Well, uh, yeah. you know, just the two of them, you have this demon, and then you have the most naive, purest, 37th grade <laughs> angel yeah. um, in Muriel, who's like you're not really under arrest, are you? And he's like, no. no. And she says, I'm helping you, aren't I? And he's like, yes. <laughs> Just like really good. Yeah. But it allows Crowley to get the intel on what happened to Gabriel, which is Gabriel stops the ending of everything mm-hmm. and the final victory of heaven to allow for eternity. Uh, and why is that? I mean, we'll come to it a bit later in one of mm-hmm. our other signs of the apocalypse. But ultimately, it is because of love. It is because of a relationship or a romance that he has developed over time from an initial meeting with Beelzebub mm-hmm. um, here in terms of standing each other's armies down and sort of 
bringing about a truce at the last mm. apocalypse. I like the little touchback to um, season one. Yeah. And then the next time we see Beelzebub, she goes, I just thought I'd change my appearance. I, yeah. I've been the same for the last 6,000 years, you know. So ni- nice and efficiently done there. The, the, um, re- the recast of the role, yes. <laughs> but I loved how it all came about through this gift of from Beelzebub, a, a fly as they are the Lord of Flies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, again, another little Doctor Who reference here. It's bigger on the inside. It is, yes. And um, yep. as you get this little fly uh, being put into the matchbox that's got the Resurrectionist on it, as they are sharing a drink in the Resurrectionist as they meet again. Mm-hmm. And they develop uh, the, the Buddy Holly song as a, a messaging system because it contains all this information. Yeah. So I, I like that, I, and I liked how it played out. Where you have kind of you have Gabriel kind of remembering as he's shooting through a sort of a, a, a blue tube, um, and John Ham just has loads of really strange expressions on his face as he's going through it, which is, was kind of quirky, um, and just kind of made me giggle inside. Absolutely. So I really liked that, and yeah. um, I loved as well. This was where Metatron for me just the floating head there and as Gabriel is being demoted, being kicked out of heaven, uh, but he kind of takes it matters into his own uh hands by putting his memories into the fly mm-hmm. and writing on the box and saying, I'm in the fly. Uh, but just that he gets out of heaven before they're able to actually wipe his memories yeah. and, and almost formally d- demote him. And you have, uh, Saraquel going he's not in heaven and neither are his memories I can't locate them and you have Metatron uh, as all these angels are are panicking he's like just stop being so wet Absolutely. <laughs> just go, like, go and know. find him you don't need to turn on an alarm and alert everybody else to your failure basically <laughs> go and find him yes. <laughs> I just really really enjoyed this mm-hmm. you know don't be so wet uh, as you've got all these panicky angels, like where is Gabriel? What's yeah. happened to him? Um, and I just really, really enjoyed it. I like that. I like that. I also like the um, the joke of why Gabriel's actually naked. It's because he's been demoted to a lower level admin angel than uh, Muriel, and the outfit that he's wearing, since it's tailor made for an archangel, um, is the wrong type of outfit yes. for for him to be wearing. So he has to be naked. He, yes, yeah. he has officially gone down to a junior <laughs> recording angel, thirty yeah. eighth class. There you go. He has Muriel. to wait for his new outfit. He won't always be naked, uh, but he will have to wait for his new outfit. So, Muriel yeah. is thirty eighth. It's thirty yes. seventh class. Yes, she is. So even she's going. I didn't realize there was anything lower than <laughs> exactly. So, so is the punishment here justified for for Gabriel and what he did? They're effectively saying that the Archangel of Heaven, who has the right to make decisions, since he's kind of a leading angel, has made a decision they don't agree with. So they've demoted him to the lowest level of angel possible instead of sending him to hell or sending him to Earth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Saraquel says it's for refusing to use his celestial power. Mm. So, yeah, because they can't go ahead with the apocalypse yeah. without his approval, so effectively. So they're I, taking it all away. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, but they're not punishing him by sending him to hell. And they're removing his memories so he doesn't know that this is yeah. what he's done. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So with all that resolved, effectively, um, yeah, and his, his memories, memories all back, yeah. he's he's uh, meeting up with Beelzebub and uh, effectively they're declaring their love for each other and that they will um, spend all of their time together 
I love that they're making references to the fact that anytime uh, Gabriel is with Beelzebub, it's heaven for him. And, <laughs> and Beelzebub saying, uh, it'll be my own special hell, hell when I'm with, uh, when I'm with Gabriel. So, uh, so they're effectively going off to their versions of heaven and hell, hell, as you said in your, in your synopsis, John. Uh, but I kind of like that, that even though Beelzebub is going to spend time with Gabriel, she's still calls, calling it her own special hell. Yes, exactly. yeah, no, it was. It was yeah. just, I think, just the fact that you see that they went from this formal meeting of an archangel and the Lord of Flies mm-hmm. to gradually becoming acquaintances. Yeah. You have Gabriel, you know, showing off his statue to be eligible, who then says, Do you fancy a pint? And then, yeah. you know, all of this kind of stuff. I thought it was really well done. And yeah, yeah that moment where, you know, Wherever Beelzebub is, is my heaven. And, you know, her kind of response to that is wherever Gabriel is, is my special little hell. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just, that was pretty cute. And um, I do like them even bonding over the, the song. Um, yeah. When Beelzebub is trying to explain what a song is to Gabriel, you know, Ooh, I like this song. What's that? The noise that's in the background, that's called the song. You know, it's like the first time Gabriel's ever been aware of a song playing. Uh, and then just the fact that the two of them nod their heads in time to the song makes it a special song for both of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I thought that was really cute. And then off they go uh, into the sunset, never to return again. So is is what they say. So we won't get John Hamm if there is a season three of, of Good Omens, it seems. It would seem so, yeah, yeah, which is a shame. Yeah. But there's always a possibility. It's all in the writing, so there's always a possibility. Definitely. That he can come back. Hey, he could come back and play a different character. That's happened this season as well. So uh, he doesn't have to come back and play Gabriel. It would just be, since he was so central this season, it would be a surprise. Yeah. Then again, Miranda Richardson was so central in season one that she came back as as another central character this time. So Exactly. So I think on that potentially apocalyptic bond, Uh we should move on to our third sign of the apocalypse, which is the angels of heaven versus the demons of hell, all in uh, Aziraphale's bookshop. Yes. So we have the usual suspects of Uriel, Michael, and Saraquel mm-hmm. in there, uh, coming down to sort of, you know, now that Gabriel has been found, but you also have the demons of Dagon, Furfur, and Beelzebub, mm-hmm. along with Shax yes. as well, who has been woken up by Beelzebub. And uh, again, you have Shax calling Beelzebub this traitorous demon, mm-hmm. you know, and they're both wanting a bit of them, to the demons to, t- to bring them down to the devil for punishment, and then the angels sort of getting all uppity saying, no, we will take them, but we reserve the right to send them to hell as punishment mm-hmm. for for the the betrayal that Absolutely. has happened here. And it's so, kind of like they want the credit for sending them to hell exactly. rather than just them going to hell. So it's like it's like they want the administrative rights <laughs> on that to, to mark what happened to them. It is really good. Yeah. And I do love the fact that, you know, you've kind of got – Crowley and Aziraphale sort of as the referees in the middle mm-hmm. here as they're all shouting over one another. I loved uh, Crowley pointing to the demons going, you know, you idiots sent this idiot pointing to uh-huh. Shax to lead these idiots, meaning all the demons that mm-hmm. have died. Um, but yes, there's a lot of back and forth here until, you know, Aziraphale asks um, uh, Gabriel, or what does he want, and what does Beelzebub want to do? Yeah, uh, and leading to, I guess, you know, the 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 cutesy your heaven 
is is my hell and vice versa, you know? But I love that with all this squabbling going on, you have the the voice of God in Metatron coming in to effectively pull them uh, apart and send them, at least send the angels back up to heaven. I love it. Um, And I loved the joke here where they don't recognize him (laughs) because he's got a body and legs and he's not (laughs) a floating head. I absolutely loved this in fairness um, i had to get john to explain this to me because when i watched it i was kind of going this whole series has been about them not being able to recognize gabriel because of the miracle that they did why don't they recognize the metatron they've worked with him for millions of years but uh as john explained to me it's just a joke <laughs> it's just a joke it's just funny because they've only ever seen him as a gigantic head floating ground in, uh, exactly in that's the thing it's like yeah. and not in corporal form oh, so it's go. just yeah. like who are you? It is so Monty Python, ridiculously stupid, but hilariously funny to right. me. So right. I thought this was hilarious because <laughs> just the look on Metatron's face is like, I can't believe I'm hearing this. I mean, you know, he, he is really ruthless as Metatron mm-hmm. here. And I mean, Derek Jacoby does ruthlessness so well. And you see it later in him talking with... Uh, a zero fail as yes. well, and it, to me, it felt like the master in uh, Doctor Who, Absolutely. just that manipulativeness about him. Yeah. But um, I loved that throwaway where he just looks at the angels and goes, "Don't be so stupid! You don't have any of these kind of powers at all. You're talking piffle." Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> go back to heaven with you, <laughs> and shut up and stop threatening people. Basically, well, that's Off it. And yeah. even with his his put down of pure Muriel where he's like, you know, right, you lot back up to heaven except the dim one pointing (laughs) to Muriel. Muriel. Exactly. But you know that for him, Michael, Uriel and Saraquil are all dim ones as well. Mm -hmm. He is just so obnoxiously great in this. It's really good. Yeah. And I'd include Aziraphale in that as well. Yeah. You know, that's that that would be his feeling about Aziraphale. It feels like he seems to be someone that believes he's more supreme than everybody else because he is the voice of God, because he carries the word of God to the rest of the angels. Exactly. So, uh, so that is that is his position. But yeah, I love how he treats the other, the other angels. Uh, that sends off the angels. That's how they get out of this situation or get out of here and go back to heaven. Um, but the demons is also an interesting um, resolution to what they're fighting for or fighting, fighting against, I guess, they want to take Crowley and Aziraphale back and punish them in hell and then realize that by Beelzebub being this traitor, that this could be the path for Shax to finally get a higher position yeah. in hell. If she goes back to the Dark Council and tells them that they've had this spy inside who's had connection directly with heaven all along, this could get Shax a much higher position, the former position of Beelzebub uh, down, in, uh, down in hell. Exactly. And Furfur, of course, has is the one that's been riding her coattails all the way along for the many, many, uh, many, many years. So he's kind of going, yes, actually, I'll follow down with you and see what I get out of this as well. So, yeah. uh, so off they all go together uh, to um, claim their new positions in hell. Yeah. It's a good, a good way of resolving their story definitely, as well. Definitely, definitely. It was good to see Dagon in there as well. Yeah. Because we hadn't really seen her uh, much in this season. Not much this season, no, no. But it's good to see, you know, the, those characters in there. I didn't exactly. even call out earlier on that we did actually get to see the them. I'd called for, I'd love to see what happens to the them. We did get to see those in the memories of uh, of yes. Gabriel. Uh, we did see them all uh, 
all around. Just, I know it's a flashback to season one, but just nice to see them again at the end of the season. So Absolutely. But speaking of Metatron's Megatronic manipulations, (laughs) let us go Mm. to the fourth sign of the coming apocalypse, which is Metatron's offer to Aziraphale. Mm. Um, And again, it's, yeah, it's, it's no different from him saying the dim one about Muriel mm. or just the kind of disregard uh, of Michael, Uriel and Saraquel. Yeah. You know, this, you just see him working the room or should I say Wickbus Street, mm. you know, yeah. and I, I just thought it was so good. You know, he's playing, he knows Aziraphale has feelings for Crowley, playing up to the fact that you know, it may be unusual mm-hmm. um, if the former angel Crowley uh, comes back to work with you, given he's been a demon for the last however many thousands of years. Mm-hmm. But you would have that power to be able to restore him to angelic form, probably knowing full well he would never want to um, mm, maybe, because maybe. of what he's carved out down here. Because, mm. he, you know, he said, I've been observing you. You are mm-hmm. able to create a partnership with the demon Crowley. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you can just sense from his, his, how he's talking to Aziraphale. You know, he's watched him. He's, he knows the weak points and yeah. um, it knows why, in, in a sense, what will transpire later when Aziraphale asks Crowley about well, if he wants maybe. to be yeah. restored. Yeah. You know, it, it's, but that also Aziraphale would want that because mm. of his, despite in a sense having partially fallen with the sort of the lighter gray around the edges <laughs> that Aziraphale employs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at heart, you know, and as he says to Crowley later on, we're the good guys. You mm. know, it's still that good guys, bad guys kind of yeah. mentality there. Yeah. Um, it's just Crowley is in that gray space of that. Um, exactly. And exactly. I just loved how you got that sense of the manipulation going on mm. between Metatron towards Aziraphale. Yeah. Um, you know, well, even just the fact that he's really dismissive of Crowley as well. He even calls out Crowley as the one that used to ask all those stupid questions, which was the reason given for him being a fallen angel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he probably never wanted him there, but he absolutely needs Aziraphale for his plan to carry out, this plan that he has, which Gabriel stopped, um, which is the second coming. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, um, And by him saying that Aziraphale's skills are perfectly placed for that, he gives some kind of guff, I think, to uh, to Aziraphale saying, you know, well, you're a natural leader and uh, everybody respects your opinion and everybody respects your decisions. But actually what he's saying is you're quite easily manipulated. And that's what I need as the fourth member of this council that have to make yeah. this decision. And the Archangel, which would be his new position, you won't refuse that because you believe in the true goodness of heaven, you know. Um, that's what Crowley sees straight through. And that's why I like, kind of like this moment. And it does take kind of a much more serious turn towards the end of the episode. We've talked about lots of the humor that's gone out throughout this series, but as it gets to the end of the episode, there are moments here that feel like they're out of other works of um, Michael Sheen and David Tennant. You know, there's some very serious moments and they work really well. The two of them are great actors, regardless of whether they're doing drama or comedy. But, um, but I thought from that moment of Metatron's offer 
how happy Aziraphale is and him finally getting this offer that he can go back to heaven with this amazing position and that he can bring Crowley with him um, and everything be forgiven. Um, as he kind of skips down the street to this happy uh, idea, that's kind of where the episode changes and this, this, this season finale moment happens, really. Yeah? Well, well, that's it. Like, the tonal shift in, in the episode is, is huge. Um, it's spectacular, and it it needs to have the likes of Michael Sheen mm-hmm. and David Tennant in order to shift it on that axis Absolutely. and be convincing because... I loved how it was structured as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have Metatron going uh, and basically taking a Zerophail out of the bookshop mm-hmm. to relay this deal that he wants him to accept this offer and um, to be the the new archangel to replace yeah. Gabriel at the same time while you have um Nina and Maggie coming in as we said earlier mm-hmm. to effectively to turn the tables by mm-hmm. saying well what about your f- feelings to your partner Absolutely. as Irafail yeah. um, and you need to tell them how you you feel and be open about it and it all comes back I guess to our fifth sign of the apocalypse of oh, yeah. um you there's know, so much of a twist here we had to put yeah. it into a new point yeah like <laughs> you know which would say a love lost you know yeah. we could have been an us and mm. um, uh, because this is where the ideas of what you would want for your other half come crashing all around both of them mm-hmm. um you know you have got Crowley wanting to be open to be an us mm-hmm. that you know both him and Aziraphale they've had and carved out this niche on yeah, earth exactly. um, being who they are but doing things for themselves were needed yeah. and you have this lifetime ambition of the the power and sanctity of heaven taking mm-hmm. over in Aziraphale yeah. and him wanting that for for Crowley mm-hmm. uh, to be restored to his angelic form yeah. uh, but it just not being what the other wants or is ready for yeah. at this moment I think in Crowley's case it's he doesn't want that he sees the manipulation Absolutely. as you say for Aziraphale it's actually putting his wants onto Crowley um, and also not really recognizing his own naivety. I mean, in a sense, I love how Michael Sheen here plays this because, Mm -hmm. and he does all the way through, you know, it's that stuttering, it's that umming and erring that he so often does as a zero fail. And it's, it's that indecisiveness, that, that looking for that lead uh, from God or from Metatron or from, Gabriel or from Michael it's always about doing the right thing Mm -hmm. Um, and he thinks that Crowley wants that Um, well exactly it goes to the whole conversation that's been going on all season between the two of them all all the things we've learned in the past and this turning away that we've seen from Aziraphale as he learns more and more what heaven is really like and in this moment the conversation between the two of them Crowley is saying to him, but I turned down hell immediately when they made me an offer to come back in a better position. And Aziraphale saying, well, of course you did. They're the bad guys. Throughout this season, what we've been learning is heaven is also heaven and heaven has its own agenda that Aziraphale can't align with. He can no longer align with heaven being this utterly glorious, always good 
um, choice always yeah. just the good thing and hell being the bad thing. Both sides of this are... As Crowley says, toxic. Heaven and hell exactly. are toxic. If exactly. He wants it to be an us because these other sides that they've been placed on mm-hmm. are, are toxic to them. Yeah. Um, and I really... And toxic to everything. It's, it's not yeah. It's not even that. It's it, Aziraphale seems to feel if he gets this position in heaven, he can change heaven. But, but despite yeah. incontrovertible evidence that somebody who tried to do that in the Archangel Gabriel going, there is not going to be another Armageddon. We are going to stop this right now and let's move on to talking about the cleaning plans for the rest of the week. He tried to do that and was demoted and stripped of everything, including all of his memories. Yeah. So... Curly's seen all of that, and Aziraphale still thinks, oh, no, I can make a difference if exactly. I just join them and go back to my old position. And, and as you say, you know, that, that heaven and hell are toxic, that, you know, he can't change it. It's, you know, it's the righteousness imbued within Aziraphale. And as Crowley puts it, I mean, I love the line, you know, when heaven ends earth, death will be just as bad as if hell did it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no good death. Um. There's no good Armageddon. There's well, no good, no good Armageddon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like really, really good. And because you have the moment where they, where Aziraphale, you know, maybe it's his one last chance where, you know, you idiot, we could have been us as he, as Crowley kisses Aziraphale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and immediately, you know, this moment possibly where it could have switched back and you have mm. Metatron, you know, walking in to come back and take. Aziraphale to heaven and again you have this um indecision this awkwardness and and, and stuttering uh, from Aziraphale again just I think so well portrayed um by by Michael Sheen here and in the end he's whisked off yeah to the elevator to go up to heaven. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it's you, with Crowley on the other side of the road. It's just a real downer for the season. But, I mean, it's really kind of the tragedy of love. I mean, this is yep. the tragedy. This is Shakespearean tragedy mm-hmm. for this season, um, yeah. which is a love that could have been, is being snuffed out by the the toxicity of competing sides, yeah. um, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? It's really, it is really, really interesting. It's really well it. done so, as yeah. well. Yeah, and, and to have those final moments as we see Crowley going back to his apartment um, in his car that had been his home for the last couple of years. Um, I, I do like that yeah. little joke about that. Can I go back to my apartment? And Shaq's going, nobody cares. Just do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a good little joke. But no, sorry, the ending itself over the credits as um, Crowley is driving and uh, – Aziraphale is traveling up in the elevator to, to heaven, yeah. uh, both side by side, both thinking and contemplating about what's going on, I suppose. Um, but it is, it's, you know, it, it's Crowley, even after all of these millennia, unable to convince Aziraphale of this coming apocalypse and that he's not being, he's not getting this great reward. He is being used as another pawn by heaven. Yeah. Uh, even after everything Aziraphale has seen, he still can't make that leap to go against heaven in totality, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is where we leave it for season two of Good Omens. Hopefully there's going to be a season three. Hopefully we'll see the resolution to this story because it does now feel like a cliffhanger. It's interesting. We talked about it last episode in episode five that we didn't think the season was going to complete in the same way that season one did. 
And actually, it's been left with a big cliffhanger for these two characters because of this approaching apocalypse. We didn't have that kind of cliffhanger at the end of season one. They'd resolved everything, and now they were going to spend time you know, enjoying the Ritz and having a nice breakfast and having having some drinks, you know. Uh, that's kind of where the story ended. There wasn't this oncoming apocalypse. In fact, they wrapped it up quite with that in season one, where there was another book of nice and accurate prophecies, if you remember. Well, that, those yeah. Burned. And I, I <laughs> so. do like that they have the reprise of Tori Amos's mm-hmm. uh, Nightingale uh, yeah. song. And certainly because you just, you know, there is that moment in that conversation between Aziraphale and Crowley where he says, listen, as nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, there's no nightingales, yeah. you know? So I, I liked how that kind of closed it out with uh, the Tori Amos mm-hmm. uh, song. And it's an ending, but it's not a happy one. Yeah. They're both, both protagonists are still alive mm-hmm. in the same way as with season one, the, the them are still alive and yeah. they have been, you know, taken out and extract it's a happy ending they've been extracted from mm-hmm. uh you know their role in armageddon mm-hmm. but this is just on the other side of that chart which is it's a sad ending because yeah. they're both still alive but going in opposite directions exactly. and the great thing about the ending is you know you you can see in a zero fail is like have i made the right decision sort of etched across his mm-hmm. face in terms of how he's contemplating it yeah and almost with, with Crowley, it's, you know, I would say first and foremost, he's just mad at zero fail, mm-hmm. but also how can I get him out of this? Probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, or, so. or a stupid angel not listening to me. Um, yeah, exactly. And yeah. <laughs> um, any notes, any other thoughts about, about the episode that we haven't, haven't uh, touched upon? John? Yeah. Just a Metatron uh, line as well. After, you know, they've decided to banish Gabriel and it, Metatron just goes, there's one fallen angel, it uh, looks like there was a, a mistake, a, a second fallen angel, and it would look like we've got institutional issues, mm-hmm. you know, again. Yeah. The covering up, it's the PR of, of this council mm-hmm. um, to that Gabriel is, is just simply just being moved out, out of existence, really. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that nice little line there. Uh, the only other thing I just wanted to mention, because it was just a very tiny little touch. We, did you notice when Nina and Maggie were sitting talking to Crowley and Maggie says something slightly out of place? Uh, Nina, Nina responds to her going, oh, don't worry, Angel, to her. Yes. Just a little, a little yeah. touch that uh, a similar thing that Crowley had said about Aziraphale being his, being his angel. Um, and had that had references to their relationship. But just, I, I thought it was fun that they yeah. included that between Nina and Maggie. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Derek, uh, what do you think overall for this season and for the episode? I really like this as a wrap-up to the season. Um, and I feel like at the back of my mind, I'm going, we'll definitely get a third season, so that'll be okay. Um, when we finished up season one, I was really satisfied with the ending of that because I was satisfied with the ending of the book and thought we'd never, ever see these characters back again. And this season has been an interesting experience, but it does feel like half of a story. Just because this felt like the adventures of Aziraphale and Crowley to get them to this end point, I can't imagine it's going to stay and be left like this. 
Neil Gaiman has said many times, as I've repeated many times, it won't be left like this. The story will be told some way in the future, which I'm really glad about. And I'll, I'm going to now take that as a promise um, that it will get done at some, t- some point in the future. Because if it ended like this and there was no possibility of a future, it's a really sad ending for these characters. But it's been lots of fun spending time with them throughout the season. I think overall, the season had some really fun stories told in the past of Aziraphale and Crowley. It feels like uh, the adventures of the two of them, rather than just Good Omens Part 2 or Book 2, it felt more about those adventures. Um, They did wrap it up quite well for me uh, in this final episode as well. I think um, the story of how Gabriel got to where he was... um, I thought it was told quite well on screen, and I think it worked out uh, overall um, as a, a good capper on this second season of Good Omens. But there better be a third, a third season. <laughs> John, how about yourself? How, how did the season wrap up for you with this uh, final episode? Uh, well, I, I really enjoyed this final episode. I thought it was ballsy. Um, mm. I'd give this uh, five battery-operated candles out of five. Mm. Um, like, it is really risky and um ballsy to to finish this on a down note absolutely um but you know the richness of storytelling is that there are stories that end with a down note Mm -hmm. and that forever you know aziraphale is an angel and crowley is a demon no Mm. matter how much the 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 grey edges sort of start to meet and that you know like any good tragic story it's it's about how these two sides become incompatible and overwhelm the individual mm-hmm. um like with Romeo and Juliet so I mean I kind of just took it from that Romeo and Juliet right. kind of storyline yeah, yeah. really and so yeah. I liked it but I can see it it is a challenge it mm-hmm. is because I think there's a big tonal shift here with that yes. ending yes. in the whole, from across the whole season. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's dark humor that's being applied here uh, across the season. This is tragedy. Yes. Um, and between two people that everyone knows and loves within the this yeah. show and yeah. wants to see them together as like I do. Yeah. Um, to, and I to think, end it with the kiss as well, and yeah. as they as they finish, like they finally kiss for the first time, yeah. Um, and it's at the moment that they break is, uh, as you say, it's ballsy. It's a bit, it's a, a big move to do. Um, I'm not sure what the reaction of the fandom is right now. I think they're all kind of just praying for a third season. Well, uh, and but, I, I, yeah. I think it's 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 been it's been mentioned already, mm-hmm. and you know, again, remember. This is a treatment from a book that had an ending, and we mm-hmm. got that in season one. If you're moving it on, I mean, it's I, I would love to see the, them back, mm-hmm. absolutely. But that is the book, and Neil Gaiman is taking it on yep. from that book, but still with the heart and soul of Terry Pratchett coming mm-hmm. along with him. But it does have to be something different, yeah. um, and it's got to focus on something and in a sense it is Aziraphale and Crowley so at this moment I believe the word that there is going to be a season three Mm -hmm. yeah and so I'm happy with this season and I'm happy with this episode uh immensely I think just in and of itself um 
I, I loved covering season one because it was so different mm-hmm. from all the shows that we covered and it still continues uh, through season two and with our podcasts. I, I have an energy covering this show because <laughs> it is so funny, but coupled to that are also the other sides of ourselves, of sadness, tragedy, and mm-hmm. so on that comes with it. Um, or just... You know, brutality in Metatron in speaking to Muriel as, you know, except the dim one. Yeah. You know, Muriel is lovely. Yes. Metatron is, I'm the voice of God, you're dim, and yeah. that's what's decided. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's it's just that preachiness of it. Yeah. But we're talking about, you know, the topics of heaven and hell anyway. There's mm-hmm. a lot of preachiness that happens. Just a bit, yes. So, <laughs> but I, I, so, you know, that is an important flavor to this because that is Metatron. He delivers the word of God. Mm -hmm. However, uncompromising, like we saw it with Job, (laughs) um, it is, or whether it's as directedly personal towards Muriel as the dim one. Mm. So anyway, it's just that whole collection of everything. I just think it, pulled off so well with such good humor and even though this is a big tonal shift i absolutely believe that there will be a season three mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know on our star wars podcast we say in dave filoni we trust well mm-hmm. on the good omens podcast in neil gaiman we trust yes you do you know yes, you do. look how he held out on the Sandman yes. until he got the right thing. Yes, we also said that on the Sandman podcast as well. Yes, and Nail Game we trust always. Exactly. And I do want to say, I know Muriel had a really hard time here, but she also read the first chapter of a book. Yes. They're like people, only you can read them. And of that, that, that explanation. And she got uh, AZ Fallon Co., the, uh, the bookshop. Yes, she's to looking look after, after it. Well. Yeah. So, yeah, like liked that she at least had a little bit of a happier ending uh, than everybody else. So she gets to stay on Earth, which she was very excited to be on. And then uh, she gets to take care of the bookshop. So, yeah, uh, so, yeah yes. for me, uh, this episode, five battery-operated candles out of five. And, uh, yeah, overall, loved this episode, loved this season. Excellent. Um, I liked how it was done, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. We get to uh, get some thoughts on uh, on the episodes and on the season. Absolutely. Yeah? Yes. We seem to have accidentally named this section the uh, You Were Right, uh, We Were Wrong section, <laughs> mostly because we like playing the sounder from uh, from episode one. Yes. And we never got to see Aziraphale do the dance. No, we o- didn't. We thought grow. we were going to yeah. get that. Or at least a flashback to it, but exactly. no, we did not. So, for one last time. Our feedback section. Yes. You were right. You were right. I was wrong. You were right. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, fellow demons and angels, first up, an email from Christina on Black Girl Couch Reviews on the season. She says, My ineffable husband's hello loves wanted to take a moment to drop a line before you finish the season, which you will before moi i truly enjoy getting your insight into the episodes as you have a unique insight lacking from us americans i am enjoying this season though six episodes is simply not enough time to enjoy crowley and aziraphale but i'll take what i get the noises crowley made when he birthed the universe followed by no more talk of dying in that high-pitched leprechaun dance remain two of my favorite crowley moments for Aziraphale, his detective bit and the thirst stare when Crowley was schooling Muriel are the highlights. 
I never watched Mad Men, so John Hamm isn't as familiar an actor to me, but I like his comedic style. He's like six foot two. I could climb that tree anytime he asks and swing blissfully. <laughs> Couldn't we all? Couldn't we all, Christina? Um, I think. Christina goes on to say, I have questions for you. How do you feel about Crowley mm. as seen through their history, continuously being the one that acts against his directive, suffering the harsher punishment, whereas Aziraphale remains relatively unscathed, even in the present, as he has been ostracized, but not cast down for his actions during season one? Mm. Very good questions. Yes, I think... Possibly after this episode, is it the grander plan of mm -hmm. God? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of it is coming from, you know, Michael, Uriel, Saraquel, and Gabriel mm -hmm. um, as that council of four, but ultimately presided over by the Metatron. So yeah. I do wonder whether seeing this move by the Metatron to enlist and recruit um, Aziraphale to Gabriel's former position as mm. Archangel. I wonder if it's that, you know, larger grand plan of heaven. And that's why he has been relatively unscathed. Whereas Beelzebub, Shax, Dagon, the devil, mm -hmm. I just guess they like a bit of SM. Well, basically, I guess the reaction from hell is swift and uh, very recognizable. And I suppose. To Crowley's point, heaven's reaction and heaven's punishment may not be as recognizable, but is also as uh, as difficult and is uh, is also as bad. So, um, exactly as you say, if if Aziraphale is responsible for Armageddon and the death of uh, of the entire planet and all the humans on it, um, yep. that'll be far worse than uh, burning in hell for five or six years, um, which Absolutely. could occasionally yeah. have been the punishment. We saw Crowley was punished for being nice once, uh, that he disappeared uh, off to hell for a while. But I would say, yeah, the punishment that effectively heaven is giving to uh, to Aziraphale could be far worse than that in yeah. Aziraphale's head, right? Uh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, Christina also continues with her questions. Do you think, despite their connection to Earth, they feel a compulsion to be in the thick of what happens within heaven and hell? Mm. Crowley in episode one seemed eager for news indicating a missing policy despite winning. Mm. Aziraphale hops at the chance to help Gabriel, but does he think by helping him this may be an inroad back into favour? Mm. Is Aziraphale capable of such impure motives? I think so. He's far more vain than he would acknowledge the same way Crowley is far more softer than he portrays. Mm. Keep up the great works as always. Christina, a.k.a. Black Girl Couch. Great stuff, Christina. Um, I feel that certainly Aziraphale has a compulsion to be in the thick of what happens in heaven, mm. but he does like his earthbound status as well and yes. his friendship, his relationship with with uh, Crowley. But I think Aziraphale has this overriding thought of being in Team Heaven. Yes. Uh, because he's the one that needs to be led, that needs his hand held. So, you know, for me, one of the, the great uh, quotes of this season is when Crowley says, I'm a demon, you know, I work to hell, but I do mm -hmm. stuff for myself. Yeah. And then 
Aziraphale picks that up and realises there are these softer grey areas. Mm-hmm. In his case, slightly lighter grey for, for Crowley, darker grey. So I kind of like that. And I do think um, that uh, his time on Earth has made Aziraphale more capable of impure motives by simply uh, th- through that reasoning of, of Crowley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, I'm still a demon, but I do stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. And as Aziraphale says, I'm still an angel, but yeah. I do stuff for myself, like his incessant book collection, exactly. or yes. you know, his little slightly grey white lies. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Christina. I've been listening along to Christina's coverage on uh, Black Oak Cage Reviews. And while you say that we have an interesting perspective uh, on Good Omens uh, because we're not American, you also have a really interesting perspective because you are American. Exactly. It makes it it really fun to listen to. So thanks so much, Christina. Uh, We got an email in from Lee who sent an email in through uh, talk at podcastica.com. I completely forgot that you could get in contact with us for the entire season of the show, John, that you could get in contact with us through talk at podcastica.com. You can just email them uh, any messages that you have through there, and Jason picks them up and sends them on to us. Excellent. I should have said that. So inundate Jason with loads of emails (laughs) saying how much you enjoyed uh, Good Omens podcast from, uh, from TV Podcast Industries. He'll love to hear it. Good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Lee sent an email in through there. Uh, Lee says, I've been really enjoying listening to your coverage of Good Omens 2 and wanted to write in before you tie it up with the season finale. Personally, I thought the season was utterly delightful. Lots of fun and some comfortably nestled in bits of heart. All the returning cast were in top form and with any new additions fit in so well. Mrs. Sandwich was a highlight of episode five for me. John Finnamore also proved to be an excellent choice of writing partner for the project. I found his Job Minnesota to be the strongest of the three and his humour is a great addition to the scripts. According to Neil Gaiman, uh, John wrote Jim's introductory scenes and really set the tone for the character, one of the funniest of the season in my opinion. It is definitely more a character-driven than plot-driven story, which I don't think we see very often on TV shows like this, but it's a strength of Neil Gaiman's writing. While it would have been nice to see Aziraphale and or Crowley piece together the answer to the Jim mystery, maybe an opportunity for some reflection on their own relationship to be the key that unlocked the answer about the other demon-angel pair, it was still a success in my eyes. It was a joy to watch, and that ending left me beyond excited for a possible season three. I watched all six episodes in one go, so spreading out the season with your podcast has been a real treat. Fingers crossed we'll eventually get a season three so I can do the same again. Best, Lee. Thanks so much, Lee. It's great that you joined us for uh, for the sh- for the podcast. I know a lot of people have watched the episodes in one weekend. I'm sure it was probably built that way in some in some ways, but I think because it was originally uh, set up as a show at the yeah. BBC and going on Prime Video, we were going right. We're going to treat this as a weekly show, and I have really enjoyed spreading this out for the last six weeks. Definitely, um, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, and I mean also. Yeah, getting that mystery to Gabriel, to Jim, through their own relationship, mm-hmm. uh, as with Gabriel and Beelzebub. I think that would have been really good. And I, I can, you know, I understand why mm-hmm. people wanted them to piece this together in some way. But I'm also happy with how it's done. So I'm right there with you, Lee. Lots of options. Yeah. A good option shows, but there could have been other options, I yeah, guess. Is, absolutely. Is Thanks so much for listening along, Lee. Yeah. Uh, hope you'll join us for season three or something else on TV podcast industries that might take your fancies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great stuff. We also got an email from Coffee and Vodka on episode six. It says, greetings, fellow sadly separated defenders. You were right. You were right. I was wrong. 
you were right. How could I ever doubt Mr. Gaiman's ability to beautifully close a story? Up to and including a touching homage to Staged at the very end. Mm, very good. Every question answered, no hanging threads. Nina and Maggie were not only left in a good place, but proved to be the moral judges of those who would manipulate them. Gabriel, in a natural change of heart after events of season one, decided Armageddon to be a waste of time and effort. Even fell in love with Beelzebub in the bargain. To be honest, I guess I do have a favourite character, that being Muriel, and she got the bookshop. Nice. Even the song was explained. Awesome. All the way round. It wasn't great to see how Crowley and Aziraphale ended up, but between this and the second coming sting, it all but angelically sings of a third season. I mean, once Aziraphale remembers all that has to happen to the world prior to the second coming, he can't be on board. And who is he going to call but Crowley? It almost writes itself. This was one of the best series I've watched in a long while and look forward to what you have to say about both this episode and the full season. Five mind-filed flies, rigidly rejected romances, and gormless tome traders out of five. Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. Excellent coffee and vodka. I like uh, gormless tome traders to describe uh, Muriel now uh, dealing in books. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, poor Muriel. Poor Muriel. <laughs> um, great stuff, coffee and vodka. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, totally agree with you on the the five out of five for this episode. Yeah, really well done. Um, and I think, you know, as you say, that little twist of uh, Nina and Maggie being, um, you know, the moral judges on those who have been morally manipulating them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just or sort of, immorally manipulating or them. I'm sorry. Immorally, immorally, yes. Um, well, uh, the intent was right, yes. you know, yeah. at least. Uh, well, or was it? Because I would say it was for love, but actually it was to hide the fact they'd done the miracle yes. ultimately yes. in the end. Um, but you're right. I think it's a really good sort of... Um, punch of humanism into mm-hmm. uh, this angelic and demonic uh, series. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, good catch on the homage to Staged, where they have uh, each of them on their own separate camera, uh, separated right at the end of the episode. Uh, I wouldn't have caught that that was from Stage, but it makes total sense uh, that, that's, that that's the reference. Brilliant stuff. Thanks for joining us on the journey as well, Coffee Vodka. Absolutely. Uh, it's great to get your feel- feedback on each of the episodes. Good stuff. Uh, thanks, Coffee and Vodka. We also got an email from Larry Willie Swink who says, Oh, what just happened? I'm going to have to give the whole season a second watch, but I don't even know how to feel about this finale. After five whole episodes of humour, levity and whimsy, and the last two episodes filled with romance to the end with our ineffable duo essentially splitting up, and after finally confronting the feelings they had for each other, I was crestfallen. My daughter definitely was unhappy. I know our angel and demon won't stay apart forever, but what a way to leave us after the heartwarming ending of season one. And if we don't get a season three to resolve this whole bombshell... I will never forgive Amazon. As for the episode, I recognised the Metatron when he walked into the bookshop. Why didn't the other angels? Was he not also at Gabriel's trial? I'm sure that he's up to no good. He gave Crowley quite the side-eye before he made his proposal to Aziraphale. I like the unexpected romance between Gabriel and Beelzebub. Love apparently changed him from a pompous douchebag into a decent guy. At least he'll be able to retain his sense of style. But they get to be the first outed divine and demonic couple and not Crowley and Aziraphale. They just got together five minutes ago while our boys have been playing cat and mace for millennia. 
Overall, I enjoyed the season and was happy to step back into one of Gaiman's more cheerful worlds despite the ending and explore Crowley and Xerophel's history and character growth some more, but I did go back and watch parts of season one and felt it was a fuller, more fleshed out story. I did hear in an interview with Neil that this season is a quieter, more romantic season and should a season three come around, it will not be quiet, gentle and romantic. As for my daughter, Layla's review, apart from the ending, she was delighted. I thought I'd share that she has a theory before the fall Crowley was actually the Archangel Raphael. She says he's the only Archangel who hasn't appeared on the show, and she thinks that Crowley was once one of the most powerful angels. Should we ever get get a season three? I guess we'll find out. Thank you again for another season of excellent coverage, John and Derek, and Chris and Spirit, Lara Willie Swink. Great stuff, Lara. Um, I really hope uh, Layla's uh, theory pans out mm-hmm. there and tell her to sort of dig deep because I'm convinced we're going to get a season three on this. Yes. Um, and uh, hopefully if it's not going to be as romantic, gentle or quiet, you know, it's going to be um, certainly bigger, badder and better uh, than 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 this one. Um, but I, I, yes, ho- okay. I hope she's... Uh, I hope your daughter is um, doing well after the the shock of the mm-hmm. the ending. And uh, yeah, I like the theory around Archangel Raphael because yes, we haven't had Raphael yet, as we far as I'm aware. Yeah, um, and that could be a good one. And, and given that we do see uh, Crowley creating the universe or designing it, I should mm. say, that's pretty powerful uh-huh. stuff. And certainly then if you start asking pesky questions, as Metatron mm-hmm. says, um, then, yeah, I guess... Did he have his mind wiped and sent, and I, sent I dead wonder, to Alice? I'll have push, to now read yeah. up on Raphael. I just... Ha- the angels... I don't know them. Yes. Yeah. There's a few even on the show that I didn't know no. uh, before. <laughs> Other before than they Gabriel, were actually. <laughs> yes. Well, remember Michael, though. And Michael, yes. yes I yeah. remember Michael as well. But Sarah Cole, Uriel, and... Uh, no. And Muriel... Yeah, uh, even now. Yes. And hopefully as well, uh, Lara, we've maybe explained the Metatron gag. I think it's just a gag. <laughs> um, I think it is a silly, ridiculous um, gag um, of Monty Python-style yeah. stupidness. Um, because it had me laughing all the way through. <laughs> um, I didn't get it if it was a gag. Now, remember, there is, there is also kind of a running joke as well, that angels and demons aren't recognizing each other. Furfur had gone to Crowley, that, remember, we worked alongside each other right that back at the true. fall and didn't recognize him. Um, here Gabriel we had, overall, with the, but that was with the miracle, that yeah, there was an explanation yeah. behind that. And didn't Syroquel even say in this episode to Crowley that they'd worked together on the creation of a universe? at yeah. the beginning yes and Crowley didn't recognize her either so it could be an ongoing thing of angels and demons on earth not being able to recognize each other in some way unless they have a specific connection or it could just be a good gag yeah I, and it's, it's probably <laughs> I like the, is gag the longevity <laughs> of these beings <laughs> means their time scales are completely different aren't hmm. they as well um but i i mean it it, it just made me chuckle all the way through <laughs> along with the Metatron um don't be so wet line uh-huh. just because of how it was delivered yes. um like I would say technically <laughs> on a script that's not even supposed to be funny it's yeah. probably not even funny to 99% of the people that watch it <laughs> but just the way Metatron delivered that line to all these panicky angels after yeah. Gabriel's gone AWOL I was just like that's it's kind of hilarious. That's the it's power like, of Derek Jacobi. Yeah, no nonsense. Just stop it. Pull yourself together. Yes, you know. Yeah. 
kind of line. But great stuff, uh, Lara. Absolutely, and great to hear from you. Hopefully, we'll have Chris back for maybe season three of Good Omens. Uh, as we know, uh, Chris is dealing with his own little um, Armageddon at home uh, with his uh, little baby. Yes, his angel of chaos. His own angel of chaos, exactly. Excellent. Yeah. Great stuff. Thanks again, Laura. Uh, on Facebook, Kelsey Oak says, you will certainly ball your eyes out. I guess now you know what the word every means. I'm sending you two hugs in advance. Thank you, uh, Kelsey. Well, thanks, Kelsey. Yes, I, I think the uh, tissue count was quite high on this one. I think so. Um, and I think the ending, it was drawn out even more with the credits rolling yeah. between the the lovers torn apart. Exactly, exactly. Cheryl Jones says, wow, that sure took an unexpected turn. Was there something in the coffee? So very sad. It probably should have been brandy uh, after that mm. ending, to be honest, instead Cheryl. Of, instead of a shot of uh, of caramel in the uh, in the oat milk uh, yes. latte, um, uh, fake caramel sugar. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Was there maybe something that uh, that uh, Metatron put in the coffee? Could have been. Maybe. Could have been. <laughs> uh, Jeff Giles has a different take on the finale. Ugh, what a waste of great performances! That ending was a huge letdown. The big mystery was a big meh. I won't be watching season three. Oh, no. Oh, no, Jeff. Um, come back. All is forgiven. <laughs> Would you even be tempted for uh, watching season three? Let's hope uh, the, the devil on your shoulder uh, tempts you towards season three. Yeah. That's a, such a shame that you didn't, didn't enjoy it, Jeff. Maybe, um, as John says, uh, when it comes around to season three, um, you may have watched it again and changed your mind, or maybe you'll give it a go uh, when there's a, a different storyline in the in the third season. But thanks so much for sending in your thoughts, Jeff. Uh, we also got a message in from Dr. Bob Phillips, who says, this was heartbreaking and wonderful and achingly difficult to leave like this. If the third season gets novelized, there has to be an audiobook with Tennant and Sheen reading it. The whole of the bookshop battle was superb. The idiocy of the invite, <laughs> the extensive use of fire extinguishers, the mind mindlessness of the demons and the extruded explosive to wrap up the whole gabriel beelzebub story in its beautiful poignant edinburgh encrusted gorgeousness including the most romantic of record destroying miracles was done with such a lovely concise shorthand i felt like a telly version of a double page spread of panels giving snapshots through time and then the love that dare not express itself finally ineffable effed and unable to be accepted, <laughs> finishing like staged with two landscape screens filled with the faces of the heaven-crossed lovers. And that's not mentioning the musical cues, the unchanging passwords, the Machiavellian Metatron master, and the subtle choice of the crow road to nudge Muriel towards an appreciation of humanity as they begin their task and babysit the bookshop. Yes, of what, course. What, yes, uh, The Crow Road by Ian M. Banks. Yes, that's the book book that Muriel is reading outside. Yes, yeah, it very is. Good, very good. Uh, a Scottish sci-fi author. Mm. I wouldn't have got that connection. Great, great call out there. Yeah, Dr. absolutely. Bob. Good stuff, uh, Dr. Bob. Uh, so glad you enjoyed this because it is. It was wonderfully heartbreaking uh, and difficult to, to leave it like this, as you mm-hmm. say. Um, but I think um, hopefully the third season... Uh, will get televised first off uh, before it being novelized but uh, if it gets novelized yes an audiobook with those two dulcet tones reading it would be be uh, superb it would be perfect yes but the commitment is that it will get out there somehow right 
regardless. So if it's not going to be a TV show, it will definitely be in the book. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks so much, Dr. Bob, uh, for all your feedback uh, for this episode and, of course, throughout the season. Uh, we also had Jules van der Leiden, who said, after the finale, I was screaming, crying and throwing up. Uh, well, Jules, we hope you've stopped uh, crying and we certainly hope you've stopped throwing up as well. Hopefully it was just a little throw up uh, uh, from that. Uh, but certainly, yes, it was um, an ending that shook people. Yes, it was. It was, absolutely. Good stuff. Thanks, Jules. Thanks so much, Jules. We also got a last-minute email in from Jennifer Aft, who says, Hi, folks. I've been enjoying the Good Omens podcast very much, as it's so nice to hear intelligent and insightful analysis of the show from people who love it as much as I do. I have a comment about the last episode of Season 2, though. I've read and heard descriptions of Aziraphale and Crowley sharing a kiss. I would like to note that the kiss is not exactly shared, as Crowley forcefully kisses Aziraphale without his consent. Of course, this is just what you would expect from a demon, but I want to put it out there that this incredibly intense scene is not an example of two people sharing a kiss. If you're thinking of kissing someone in the future, please tuck that piece of information away for future use, (laughs) says Jen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we say, it is that moment. It's not done in the way that, that fans would have expected it. It's done in the moment where Crowley is severing the relationship between him and, and Aziraphale. It's that final moment where he's effectively pushing him away with a kiss uh, in the scene. But I don't think that's what, what fans were expecting when they were saying, uh, we hope the two of them finally get together in season yeah, two. You know, exactly. It certainly wasn't going to be there. Well, it, yeah. you know, Aziraphale says nothing lasts forever. And Crowley says, no, I don't suppose it does. You know, just before um, Crowley says, you idiot, we could have been us exactly and, and goes for this that it felt like a one last chance and yeah mm. i mean you you have aziraphale touching his lips like it's almost as though what's just happened exactly. he's kind of bemused by it yeah. or surprised by well, it again remember nina and maggie had the talk with crowley they didn't have the talk with aziraphale and throughout the season when anybody broached that topic with aziraphale while we understand that aziraphale does love crowley he hasn't accepted it himself at all. Exactly. He hasn't declared his love for Crowley at any stage um, throughout this season. So, uh, yeah, very, very good point there made, Jen. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Jen. Finally, we also have a voicemail in from Anwen in New Zealand. Yes, we do. Anwen called all the way up to us uh, after starting season two of the show just a couple of weeks ago. Take it away, Anwen. Hi, Derek and John. What an absolute... Emotional roller coaster that final episode was. Loved it so much. And I love all of the little unexpected quirks. Um, I thought it was great that Nina and Maggie kind of emotionally recognized each other, but also accepted that Nina wasn't ready for a relationship yet. It made it much more realistic. I absolutely adored Beelzebub and Gabriel. What a cool story. I didn't expect that at all. And then looking back, you realize, oh, yeah, there was a little fly that had a huge part to do with it. And I still didn't click, but it was beautiful, lovely to watch. And then at the very end, oh, my God, Aziraphale and Crowley, so heartbreaking, so incredible. Of course, you kind of wanted them to get together, but I think it did make a a better story and just more heart-wrenching and beautiful and tragic that they didn't. The acting is just superb. The writing, I love the status quo. It's so static and quo <laughs> 
And just the acting in that final couple of scenes, David Tennant and Michael Sheen just knocked it out of the park. Their facial expressions just expressing so much, so much emotion and, and being so torn and um, heartbroken. And, oh, it was just fantastic. I'm emotionally wrung out. Loved, loved, loved it. It was really great as well, having watched season one so recently, to see the little flashback of the, the first Armageddon and all our favourite characters from back then. Thank you so much for your incredible coverage. I've really, really enjoyed going along on this journey with you. And my last thing to say to you guys is I think you should become ineffable husbands sooner than later and that New Zealand is the absolute ideal location for a honeymoon. Bye. Excellent stuff, Anwin. Thank you so much uh, for the feedback. Really glad you enjoyed our coverage. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly... Uh, yeah, it was such a roller coaster ride. Uh, a big thank you for the offer uh, of uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Come on, Derek, get the tickets. Chop, chop. <laughs> um, oh, well, uh, New Zealand is definitely on the list um, for a place to visit, uh, whether it's for our honeymoon or whether it's just for uh, our own holiday uh, in the future. Uh, we will definitely be going to New Zealand. I want to go back. And John's never been. Um, no. And uh, as a big Lord of the Rings fan, he would be dying to see every single uh, location used for uh, Lord of the Rings, I think. Absolutely. Certainly uh, Rohan. Uh, In particular, Edoras. My uh, powers of Lord of the Rings and being a jog for that location was just uh, spectacular. I guess there's obviously nothing uh, there left, uh, but yeah, that was just superb. And Helm's Deep, some of the sort of establishing shots around there, just so good. But I mean, all of it is just so, like such a pretty uh, country and certainly from a geographer's point of view, lots of things like glaciers and mountains. Absolutely. You know, I yeah. quite like that. I stuff. did tell you that Anwen was an extra in yes, you do. Lord of the Rings and that. worked at Edoras. So she's been in the full version of that. Wow. How cool is that? That's very cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for your thoughts, Anwen. I'm glad you were able to take the ride with us and get exactly. to the finale along the same time as us. That's really cool as well. Uh, great stuff. And thanks for joining us to everybody uh, for this season of Good Omens, for season, uh, season two of Good Omens. Yes, we will be back with Good Omens season three. Uh, which was in development when the writers and the actor strike began. So when we'll be back, we don't have that crystal ball yet. Nope. Uh, but when finally the studios agree a deal, uh, we hope that Amazon is quick to pen a deal with Neil Gaiman to go on the season mm-hmm. three journey with him. And hopefully it will be to allow all us fellow angels and demons to go on that journey of uh season three as well absolutely hopefully it won't be four years between the two seasons like it was between season well, yeah, one and two that's true that's yeah. true but worth the wait exactly exactly as this is the last episode of good omens it's just a reminder uh, and we of course would love you to subscribe to any godly or devilish podcast player over on tvpodcastindustries.com so you can subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends, family, grannies mm-hmm. and grandfathers because of course 
Sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. Sharing the love. Yeah, you'll find loads of our podcasts over on tvpodcastindustries.com. We're coming up on 800 episodes. And this week alone, we're covering Ahsoka, the Star Wars show. We're starting our coverage of Wheel of Time, season two. And, of course, finishing our coverage of Good Omens uh, this week. So lots and lots of stuff over there on tvpodcastindustries.com. And if you're only subscribed to the Good Omens podcast, you won't see any of it. Yes, so make sure you subscribe to the main feed, TV Podcast Industries, uh, to get all the content that we have. We are also over on patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries, as well as buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI. Absolutely. A huge thank you once again to Jason Cabassi and Podcastica.com. Absolutely. Uh, check them out for other podcasts for TV shows you might be interested in. They're currently podcasting The White Lotus, and really interestingly... They're covering the last episode of season one of The White Lotus this week as well, John. They're hitting the finale of that show. Very good. A big, big episode. If you've been watching along, I'm sure you're very intrigued to how that show's going to end. Because that ending, I remember it being massively shocking and loving it. So I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say about it. Definitely. Also, go check out Run For Your Lives with Daphne and Paik, which is covering movies that would make you run for your life. This week, they are celebrating three years podcasting with a wild 1980 creature feature, Alligator, starring Robert Forster. Excellent stuff. Yeah. I love creature features. I know. And this is based on the uh, based on the wonderful um, urban legend of an alligator flushed down the toilet that 13 years later wreaks havoc in New York. Very good. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be it. fun. Love it. Totally outrageous but i love it they don't do them better than they did in the 80s do they exactly <laughs> uh great stuff uh well fellow demons and angels mm-hmm. uh, remember we will be back with a star wars ahsoka as well as good omens season three uh hopefully in a shorter time than four years <laughs> yes uh, we will also be coming back uh with the wheel of time as Derek has said and of course don't forget uh, Sandman Season 2 Yeah, if you're looking well. for more Neil Gaiman, exactly. watch Sandman. If you, if you haven't watched it at all yet, all first season is available on, on Netflix. We've covered every episode as well on the podcast. Yeah, so come and join us too. on TV Podcast Industries mm-hmm. for Sandman Season 2. Uh, but, of course, in the meantime, keep watching, keep listening, and remember, the apocalypse is coming, so grab your hard hat, Dr. Dr. Bob, Bob Phillips. Phillips. Bye.